Hello, thank you for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, and I'm the Director of Communications at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Before we dive into my interview today with Isaac Bach of Alpha Root, this will be one of three episodes of NCIA leading NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice podcast leading to my departure from the organization. Uh, If you're a member of NCIA, you've already heard this news that NCIA had to make some cuts and layoffs. And unfortunately, I will no longer be in my role at NCIA, but it has been an absolute honor to do all of this work for the industry and to tell all of these stories for the last nine and a half years six and a half of which have been this amazing experience on this podcast. And I want to thank Cannabis Radio and you, Brasco, my producer behind the scenes as well for everything. That being said, let's dive right into the show. Let's talk with Isaac Bach of Alpha Root, who has served as a member of the management and executive team there for the last two and a half years. Prior to helping spin Alpha Root, Isaac was a leading member of the customer success renewal client advisory team of Founder Shield, which is the company Alpha Root initially was founded by. Isaac brings six plus years of cannabis specific experience and eight years of client advisory work. Isaac earned his master's in medical cannabis science and therapeutics from the University of Maryland and graduated with honors from the University of Pennsylvania. He holds his associate in risk management credential, which he earned during his first year as a professional. Welcome to the show today, Isaac. Thank you, Bethany. It's great to be on. And uh, I'm sorry to hear about you leaving the NCIA. It's been great getting to know you over the last few years since we've been working with you all. Thank you so much for saying that. Yes, it's it's sad and unfortunate, but um, we got to do what we got to do to look out for the organization and the members, and you'll be in good hands uh, after my departure. But enough about me, at least for this episode. <laughs> Let's get to know more about you and your background and some of the work and things you did before getting involved in cannabis. And I noticed you went to University of Maryland, and I also... Uh, attended a couple of years at the University of Maryland College Park. So go Terps. <laughs> go Terps. Yeah, I, uh, I had the chance to be a part of one of the first uh, classes of their cannabis science and therapeutics program um, that they offered as a master's of science. So I did that during COVID while we were getting uh, Alfred up and running. Um, but prior to joining you know, Alpha Root and helping, you know, build out the the company. Um, I actually started my career at Marsh and McLennan after graduating from college. Um, I was actually in their aviation and aerospace division. So a, a far cry from what I'm doing now. Um, but during that time, you know, I was looking for something a little bit different um, and a little bit more entrepreneurial where the team over at Founder Shield um, actually reached out. Founder Shield uh, is similar to Alfruit in the fact that it's a commercial insurance brokerage. Um, the main difference is the verticals they focus on. So Founder Shield initially found in 2012, focused on the emerging industries. 
um, sector and a lot of VC backed companies. Um, so I was one of the you know first 15 employees there, um, helped build out the customer success team. And during that time, I actually got quite a bit of exposure to the cannabis industry. Um, obviously, it was just kind of coming online in 2012 with Colorado's legalization. By the time I joined Founder Shield in 2016, um, it had grown quite a bit. So got a lot of work done um, on that side of things. And my partner, Eric, and I, um, who also was at Founder Shield at the time, kind of looked at each other and said, uh, this would be a great industry to focus on. Um, and so we decided to put together a business model and and pitch that to the uh, the C-suite at Founder Shield. And, uh, you know, COVID hit, so stayed on with uh, the Founder Shield team to help them out a little bit during that time, but um, have been mostly focused on the cannabis industry exclusively since early 2020. Um, but like I said, I've been working with cannabis companies for the last six or so years. Excellent. Yeah, man, COVID just really <laughs> impacted every aspect of our lives, of how we run our companies, of how we think about our day-to-day lives. Um, and people made some very interesting choices of what how to spend their time during COVID when there was not much else to do. And you went went and got yourself a degree. How fun. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, who would have thought that the best way to kill time was going back to school? Um, you know, initially, while well, I was still in college, I, I was originally going to plan on going to law school. And uh, during my senior year, was uh, a little bit more focused on our lacrosse season and some other things. So then I ended up setting for the LSAT. So funny how COVID brought me back to the uh, education side of things. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks. Thanks for sharing that background there. When it comes to making that decision to get involved in the cannabis industry, knowing that we, you know, although we have 40 plus states with some form of legal cannabis, it it is still the state by state patchwork. It is still federally illegal. What made you want to get involved in in such a a dynamic, to, to say it nicely, industry? Yeah. Um, I think on the surface level, you know, when Eric and I kind of sat down and talked about it, um, and even dating back before that, when I joined Founder Shield, like the fact that they were working in the canvas industry seemed very interesting to me at that time, um, because it was a new and nascent industry. So being able to get on the ground floor of anything, um, is always a good thing, you know, from a personal and professional growth perspective on a more personal note, um, you know, having been a collegiate athlete, um, dealt with a lot, quite a bit of injuries, um, and truthfully, a lot of the the pain management medications I was taking did some uh, not so great things for my body. So uh, mm-hmm. having grown up in Colorado, um, I had been around cannabis for you know much of my life, even though it wasn't legal for much of my life. Um, you know, I was familiar with it. And then uh, in the summers when I knew you know there weren't going to be any NCA drug tests or anything of that nature, um, being able to use that as a medication and really kind of more so on the CBD side. So I was still able to uh, function in the ways I needed to um, for some summer jobs and things of that nature. Um, That had always been something that was of interest to me, more on the holistic medicine side of things, Um, just from personal experience with, you know, some of those medications causing some some serious like stomach issues and um, just having, you know, kind of diminishing returns as they're effective, as it relates to their effectiveness. Yeah, that's so true. Uh, you know, NCIA published w- one of our earliest industry reports was about the opioid crisis uh, and tying in how cannabis has helped people either entirely switch away from these types of 
pharmaceutical pain medicines or at least allowed them to reduce the amount that they needed to take in order to manage their pain. Because to your point, there are some tough side effects to to taking these and particularly for a long amount of time. And I've heard athletes discuss this time after time. Uh, So, yeah, thank you for bringing up that point as well. And moving into modern day here, here you are working with Alpha Root and, you know, supporting the booming, ever expanding legal cannabis industry, despite its challenges. So, what what's going on with you and Alpha Root today in halfway tw- through 2023? What's on the horizon? Yeah, so um, you know, as in terms of the company, you know, we've experienced a lot of great growth over the last three years um, since we spun back out. Um, you know, we were acquired by a publicly traded brokerage, Baldwin Risk Partners, back in August of 2021. Um, which at the time, you know, the Alpha Root side of the acquisition. Um, Founder Show was also a part of that deal, but our team at Alfred was only uh, four people at that point. So uh, since then, we've grown to over 15. Um, We've experienced a lot of great growth from a marketing perspective, went through a rebrand, um, and have really honed in on you know maintaining our relationship with the community and feeling like a member of the community first, as it relates to the cannabis industry. you know, on the horizon, a lot of what we've been focused on lately is just helping our clients um, through the tough time the industry is seeing. Uh, it's no surprise to anyone, and definitely not news um, that the industry has you know kind of seen some some down times currently. So a lot of what we've been doing is trying to find unique ways to help them save on their insurance premiums, um, have open and honest conversations about what coverages might not be as important for the current time, um, you know, given the financial constraints and then honestly playing kind of matchmaker for any of our clients with other service providers, um, outside of the insurance side of things. So, uh, Eric and I spend a lot of our times building relationships with, um, you know, other service providers within the space. So if a company comes to us with a question, um, that's not related to insurance, we're able to get them in contact with someone who can give them an answer. Um, I think that's one of the things we pride ourselves the most on is focusing on building our relationships within the cannabis community so we can kind of be a spoke um, to reach out to anyone on the uh, the greater hub of the service provider industry uh, for our clients and you know anyone really in the industry who we talk to. Yeah, I love that uh, classic miracle on 34th Street approach to <laughs> to uh, running a company, right? If we can't give you exactly what you need, we can point you in the right direction. And gosh, the, the cannabis industry is also a community, uh, particularly as we continue to fight for federal legalization. So I, I, yeah, I can absolutely appreciate that. Yeah. So let's take our first commercial break and then we'll come right back and chat more with Isaac Bach of Alpha Root. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. What's spring like in Park City, Utah? Imagine waking up on a bluebird day to ski the greatest snow on earth at two world-class resorts, Park City Mountain and Deer Valley. Exploring miles of wide-open spaces by snowshoe or cross-country skis. Wandering our historic Main Street with its Opry ski scene and award-winning restaurants. When you love it like we love it, Park City, Utah will always be winter's favorite town. 
Join the experience at visitparkcity.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore with NCIA. And today we're talking with Isaac Buck from Alpha Root. So... I already mentioned this is a state-by-state patchwork we're still dealing with. So there's a lot going on at the state level. And one of the hot states everyone's talking about lately is New York. Honestly, I've seen a lot of criticism for its slow rollout of adult use licenses and how they're choosing to roll them out. There's some frustration. Um, So from your perspective, what do you see is is in some important wisdom for any new dispensary license holder to understand and keep in mind as they are launching in this new market in the state of New York. Yeah, um, I think the biggest thing is patience. And I know that's a pretty easy thing for me to say since I'm not a licensed operator, but it is <laughs> the truth. Um, you know, unfortunately, kind of as you mentioned, there has been uh, a little bit of a, a slow movement towards getting this up and running in the way that everyone envisioned when it was legalized two years ago. Um, so I would say patience is kind of number one. The number two thing is um, obviously New York is kind of the biggest market as it relates to everything. So as soon as cannabis got legalized, a bunch of companies who may not have the best interest of the actual operators um, at heart have started to reach out and try to take advantage of the situation. So I would say, you know, try to align yourself with people who are um, looking to build the industry from the bottom up and looking to partner with companies um, more than just kind of be a um, vendor to them. They want to be a, you want to build relationships with someone who can be an actual trusted partner. Um, the, the final thing is, you know, just be aware of kind of the locations of where your dispensary is put. You know, one of the things is you might not have exactly a say in the real estate location where your dispensary is going to be opened up in New York, just given the, the regulation. So, um, I would say do some research on those areas, see what kind of competition you'll have from the illicit market, just because the, uh, the amount of dispensaries, and I say that with air quotes around them, um, that are open in New York right now is pretty mm-hmm. um, insane. Um, you know, between my apartment and our office, um, which is, you know, about seven avenues, um, there's probably, you know, 15 places you can buy cannabis. Um, not wow. legally, of course, but yeah, you can get it pretty easily here. So just be mindful of that um, and try to do some regional and local education for the consumers so they understand, um, one, the safety issues of buying from those, you know, suppliers because they're obviously not tested products. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows where they're actually coming from? Yep. And then, you know, there's also the the backing of the the state um, isn't there either. So the educational piece is something that everyone in the cannabis community in New York and honestly across the country can be focusing on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a lot going on there in New York. And, you know, it's really going to come down to I think you were alluding to 
consumer education to help them understand the difference between a licensed dispensary versus an unlicensed dispensary and what that can mean about the product that they would ultimately be consuming and putting into their body. Very, very excellent point to make. I appreciate that. Um, you know, there, there's these other East Coast states, the little colonial side of our of our country. And I already mentioned my my home state of Maryland. Uh, shout out to Leonardtown High School. And, you know, <laughs> Delaware is this tiny little state right next to it that people forget about as well. Um, these are significantly smaller states and they are all I could, from firsthand can tell you they are a different culture than California or Colorado. So as someone who's local to the East Coast, you're you're right there in New York. I'm sure you're familiar with the 95 corridor up and down Maryland and so <laughs> on. Yeah. Um, you know, what insights do you have about the emerging cannabis industry right there around the Chesapeake Bay? Yeah. Um, I mean, like anything else, you know, the legislation is moving a little bit slower than initially anticipated, although Maryland um, is supposed to have the license conversion available starting July 1st, which is exciting news. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the biggest thing is there is an overall sense of excitement around these two states and particularly Maryland. Um, I do know a lot of the you know larger operators who already have um, medical operations in the state are extremely excited that Maryland might be able to follow a similar path to a state like Missouri, who uh, hit the ground running and kind of became one one of, if not the hottest market in the cannabis industry over the last you know few months. So um, there's a lot of hype around Maryland um, from the folks I've talked to, and a lot of a lot of operators are excited to you know expand their footprint there or continue to grow um, to the state of Maryland. Um, and then Delaware is similar to, as you mentioned, kind of a much smaller state, um, but that has its advantages in terms of kind of speed of things being done as well. So I think both states will be um, players um, as it relates to you know kind of the northeast cannabis scene um and we'll, we'll see what happens i mean there's there's not a lot of competition right now from the tri-state area in terms of how efficiently things have been running and i know i know everyone in new york new jersey and connecticut is, is trying their best to keep things moving in the right direction but um you know that the way it has you know kind of played out uh the door is open for some of these other um kind of smaller states to grab a foothold in terms of like the king of east coast cannabis yeah yeah that makes sense and then of course you know we've got virginia out there and uh, a little bit more slow going and conservative of a state though um, hopefully making some progress there. Virginia is a significantly larger state than these other two that we were just yep. discussing. Right, right. So, I mean, the big picture, we know there's a myriad of challenges to operating the cannabis industry. It's what we talk about on this podcast all the time. And, you know, that ranges from raising capital to, you know, even securing banking services that you're not going to lose in 30 or 60 days. And then there's identifying the risks of entering the cannabis industry and protecting yourself and protecting your business in a chaotic industry. So from your perspective, tell me more about these various challenges that you're seeing new license holders navigating as they're first launching their businesses and then keeping it moving forward. 
Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think from our perspective, you know, speaking directly on what we do on a day-to-day basis, um, you know, insurance is kind of still uh, an issue just because there is still a limited marketplace as compared to, you know, your average, you know, consumer um, package good industry or, you know, even kind of other commoditized industries. So um, that problem is still somewhat persistent, but I will say it's gotten a lot better since I've started working in the industry, um, there's a lot more carriers who are willing to consider it. Um, mm-hmm. And truthfully, those who have been fully invested have become great partners of ours and their clients. So I think on that side of things, it has gotten better. And that's obviously what we focus on. Um, you know, from the actual operations of the business side and what these companies are going through, um, truthfully, the number one issue I'm seeing right now is access to capital. Um, you know, the banking issue is still there, obviously, but there are local credit unions and smaller regional banks who are able to provide banking for the cannabis industry. Um, So the biggest thing is a lot of times these uh, individuals who have these businesses are awarded a license and then they're excited and ready to go. And then it's like, oh no, I don't have any money to operate this. Like I need to go raise capital and there's no money flowing into the industry right now. So um, that's kind of the biggest area um, we've seen a lot of business to struggle um, is just being able to raise funds initially, um, raise funds again if they need to continue to grow. Um, and that all stems from, you know, the capital markets not being able to be involved um, and just kind of some more large scale regulatory issues. Um, but hopefully, you know, as some of those things start to change at the federal level, uh, not from federal legalization, obviously, but um, with safe banking and some of the other um kind of add-ons to that bill um, that would help provide more availability of capital, um, that problem will continue to ease as well. But that, that's continuing to be the the biggest issue is just the, the initial capital to get businesses running or an additional round of funding to keep them up and running. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what a thorn in, in our side here, being able to yeah, legalize cannabis at the state level, open up regulated dispensaries, and then we just don't have the access to the money we need to really thrive right out of the gate. And then on top of that, Section 280E of the IRS tax code, you know, any profit that you may be making, much of it is going right back to the IRS because of the inability to take normal business tax deductions. Uh, so it's the the challenges are just very very heavy, you know, heavy for these operators who just want to see federal legalization, safe banking, normal taxation. And then after that, interstate commerce, wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Let's take one more commercial break and then we'll come right back and wrap up our conversation with Isaac Bach of Alpha Root. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Moore with NCIA, and we've been talking all about risks and opportunities for cannabis business license holders, particularly in some of these East Coast states that are new cannabis markets like New York, Maryland, and Delaware. And we're speaking with Isaac Bach from Alpha Root, who works in the insurance space 
helping these companies protect themselves. So as we're kind of wrapping up this conversation here, I know you've already offered a lot of wisdom and insight, but big picture, what is some advice you can offer these cannabis operators, some some essential things that we should know about protecting themselves and their companies when it comes to selecting insurance coverage as a business owner? Uh, definitely. I mean, I think one of the biggest things we've kind of noticed, um, you know, throughout the, the course of working in the industry is there's two different kind of buyer profiles. And one is you're buying for the actual coverage itself and looking to build a relationship with um, your insurance carrier and your insurance broker and actually building out a strategic risk management program, um, which can actually help you grow if you set it up properly. Um, and then there are the others who are look, just looking to check the box um, and you know spend as little as possible. And obviously, in the, the capital restraints that we talked about earlier, um, it is understandable in the industry. And I understand that people have to make business decisions. But if you want to look at insurance as not just, um, you know, another item on the expense line, um, it can really be an asset. So whether that's, you know, getting the correct carrier on your policy from the get-go, i.e. someone who can help you expand to multiple locations so you're not having to buy a new policy every time you open a new store, um, whether it's a carrier who can write across state lines, whether it's getting directors and officers insurance in place to attract more investors. Um, all of those sorts of things are tools that insurance can be used on to actually help your business grow. Um, and yes, it is an insurance premium and it's an investment you hope you never call in. Um, but having the right carrier and the right coverage in place can actually save your business should something uh, catastrophic happen. Um you I'm sure you wouldn't be surprised at how many times uh you know clients have you know really gotten the coverage they've paid for, whether that's in a positive light or a negative light. Um so it is one of those things where you mm-hmm. really do want to work with someone who um understands your business model, understands the cannabis industry and can point out any nuances within the policies um that may, you know, make or break whether something's gonna be covered and explain to you how this product or sets of products can be used to help you grow. Yeah, I think that's great insight. And, and you know, what comes to mind is having the right insurance coverage demonstrates as a business owner that you care about your business and its success and the longevity of it. And when outside investors or partners are looking at that, that can be a point of confidence, I think, um, that they feel safe to or safer to to work with your company to know that you've put that due diligence in and you've made that investment and something you were mentioning earlier about making partnerships and not just having a transactional vendor relationship but truly getting to know the companies that you're associating with and doing business with and creating this circle of life with, right? (laughs) Um, You know, it makes me think of some groups that have already done that. Uh, Here in Colorado, um, there is, I think it's called the Cannabis Consortium, and it's a group of ancillary businesses, um, you know, ranging from extraction equipment to kitchen manufacturing equipment, um, a a few other types of businesses. Uh, that have all, you know, they've gotten to know each other over the years, they've vetted each other, they've created professional relationships, 
and they have great happy hours every month. So, I mean, <laughs> who can go wrong with that? Exactly. <laughs> but they seem pretty solid. And, and I think that's an excellent example of that uh, type of not only getting insurance insurance, like the paperwork insurance, but social insurance can help your cannabis business to succeed as well. Exactly. It's not necessarily, um, you know, who's, it's not only depending on who's working within the company, right? It's about the network you build outside of your company, because those are the people you can lean on um, if something does come up. So being able to provide that for our clients and just create a, a communal network um, where we can point people in the right direction is is truly, you know, as, as crazy as it may sound, it is really one of the, the main goals and ethos of uh, Alpha Root. So we're, we're proud to continue to build that out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we are running out of time here, um, but thank you for taking the time to chat with me today on the show. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, after nine and a half years at NCIA, due to some unfortunate cuts and layoffs, my last day at NCIA will be here in the middle of June. And there's just a couple more podcast episodes that I will be hosting to share with the audience as I wrap up my tenure here at NCIA. Um, if anyone wants to find me on LinkedIn to connect to see where I end up after this, I welcome that. I'm Bethany Moore, of course, and I look forward to seeing where I end up uh, in the future here and, and what that's going to look like. So wish me luck. And in the meantime, as we wrap up the show, uh, and thank you for giving me a moment to share that with our audience, Isaac, I appreciate it. No but problem. <laughs> for those who want to get in touch with you and learn more about Alpha Root, uh, where can we send our listeners? Yep, no problem. So the uh, our website is alpharoot.com, pretty straightforward. And if you want to reach out to me directly, uh, my email address is Isaac, I-S-A-A-C, at alpharoot.com. And I'm more than happy to uh, answer any questions anyone has as early to insurance, um, the industry as a whole, or just wants to get in contact with someone with my network. I'm happy to make those connections as well. Love that. Thanks again. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.